think most of us would agree that the Bible is not a particularly funny book. What humor is there is mostly lost to us as modern readers. We can't access the Hebrew and Greek puns, most of which are of dad quality. And we also don't get the jokes that are based on stereotypes of other nations that were current at the time the book was written. We don't read the Psalms and think, yes, that's hilarious, the Moabites are really bad with money. And so when we read the Bible, we usually miss the humor. And sometimes when we miss the humor, we miss the point. For example, the book of Jonah, the source of our first reading today that Eleanor did so beautifully, is a satire. It's humor with a purpose, a book that has something to say about the crazy lengths that human beings will go to get away from God and the crazy things that God will do to bring us back. The book of Jonah is a satire on the typical story of a biblical prophet. The original hearers of the story would have grown up hearing the stories of the Hebrew prophets, and they almost always go the same way. First, God calls the prophet out of the blue to a special mission. The prophet says, oh Lord, not me, I'm not good enough for this, I can't possibly do it. And then the Lord says, no, I've chosen you for a reason, I'll be with you. And he gives the prophet a message to convey to the people of Israel. Usually that they've done something wrong, they're not treating the poor well, they have turned away from God. And the prophet has to encourage them to repent, which they never do. And then the prophet ends up begging God to have mercy on the people. That's the typical form that everyone would have been used to hearing. And then the book of Jonah offers the Monty Python version <laughs> in which the prophet does everything wrong. So as we would expect from a typical prophet story, Jonah opens with the Lord coming to Jonah and giving him a special mission. He's to go to the city of Nineveh and tell the people the word of the Lord. Jonah is supposed to say, oh, not me, Lord, I'm not worthy. Instead, Jonah just says, no. And while he's supposed to go east, he gets on a boat that goes to the farthest point west in the known world. Jo uh, God refuses to give up on Jonah, though, and sends a storm to threaten the ship that he's on. This is a common trope in Middle Eastern stories. There's a story like this in Acts. The, the storm comes. The prophet is supposed to proclaim to the crew that God has the power to calm the storm. God calms the storm. Everyone on the ship converts. But Jonah doesn't care that it's his fault that there's this storm, so he goes down to the hold and takes a nap. Finally, the crew has to haul him up and throw him in the water so that the storm will end. And Jonah is then swallowed by a big fish, stays in its stomach for three days and nights until he finally gives in and agrees to go to Nineveh. Now, far too much time has been wasted by our more uh, fundamentalist brothers and sisters explaining how a human being could actually survive in the stomach of a whale. <laughs> may or may not be true. I'd rather not try it. I've noticed none of them have tried it. But it's certainly beside the point. The story is supposed to be ridiculous. It's supposed to be funny. This prophet who's supposed to be the willing servant of God has to be hauled to Nineveh against his will in the stomach of a fish. 
And so Jonah finally gets to Nineveh and the people actually repent. Now a real prophet is supposed to be overjoyed that the people have repented. But Jonah is mad because he came all this way and he didn't get to see Nineveh consumed in flames. <laughs> and so the book ends with Jonah sulking under a tree, complaining that God is too loving and too merciful. <laughs> so the story has a point. It's meant to make us laugh, and it's also meant to remind us that most of us are more like Jonah than we are the Hebrew prophets. We feel the tug of God in our hearts telling us to go east, and we are on the next boat west. Jonah's dramatic flight is sort of a, a parody of what we all do in our hearts a hundred times a day. We mean well, but we resist God. Jonah reminds us that this isn't some terrible, uniquely sinful thing that you do or that I do. It's a human thing. We resist God. Of course, we desperately want connection with God. But on another level, we also sort of push back against it. How many times have you thought to yourself, you know, I'd really like to start volunteering alongside the poor. Or I'd really like to get to church more often or start praying every day or start meditating. How many times have you thought that only to find that it never quite happens? That's a human thing. Some of it is about the busyness of our schedules, of course, but some of it's deeper. There's sort of something in us that resists that spiritual call. And this story invites us to take a moment to think about why we're resisting, what we might be afraid of. Jonah resisted because he knew in his heart of hearts that God was not going to do what he wanted God to do. He wanted God to smite his enemies in Nineveh, and he knew from the beginning that God was not going to do it. Giving up our own plans isn't easy, particularly when our plans seem to be working. But God has not shown any interest in working within the bounds of our agenda. And so like Jonah, we resist God because we intuit that God will disrupt our lives. And so we run because we'd rather run than have our lives changed. Of course, there are a lot of reasons we run. That's not the only one. Sometimes we run because we're afraid of the intimacy of Christian community. We don't want to know people well enough that they expect something of us. I've said this before, but I spent years in my 20s going out the side door that I could go to without shaking the priest's hand on the way out so that they couldn't sign me up for anything. <laughs> it's one of the reasons that we resist, right, is the intimacy of that community. We resist because we're afraid of being judged by God. We resist because there are parts of ourselves that we're afraid to face and that going deeper in our spirituality means that we have to be honest in facing sometimes our anger, our fear, maybe our guilt or sadness. We run because we're afraid. Sometimes we don't even know why we resist, but we do. And this book of Jonah brings our human resistance to the surface and invites us to laugh at it and to face it honestly. And Jonah also invites us to look at how God chases us even when we're running away. God doesn't give up and pick another prophet when Jonah gets on the wrong boat. 
Instead, God arranges weather systems and sea captains and giant fish in order to drag Jonah back into relationship with the divine. God doesn't even give up when Jonah sulks because God is too loving. He makes a plant grow to protect Jonah from the sun. It's over the top, of course. It's exaggerated to make the point that God has no three strikes and you're out rule. God keeps on reaching out to us, keeps on acting to draw us closer, keeps on loving us even when we're running away. This is why the poets call God the hound of heaven. It's what Jesus talks about when he talks about leaving the 99 sheep behind in order to search for the one sheep that's lost. And it's part of what today's gospel reading is about too. It might take some of us longer to get to work, but we're still welcomed as if we showed up at first dawn. I say this not to encourage us to be casual about ignoring God's call, because God's call is always urgent. But I want to say to anyone that feels like they've been running from God, or like they took the wrong turn at some intersection way back there, or like they made some mistake that they can't take back. We worship a God of second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances. The lesson of Jonah is that we are not searching for God nearly as hard as God is searching for us. You might be seeking God, but God is seeking you too. So how exactly are you resisting God right now? What are the ways in which you might be taking the boat west when God's calling you east? We all resist. It's human. And the question is, are we willing to let God find us and drag us back? Because the secret is surrender. Surrender to plans that are bigger than our plans. Surrender to life that is more strange and wonderful than what we would have come up with ourselves. We're invited to stop resisting and trust God who loves us, who searches for us, who will not leave us alone. Amen.